Hello everyone, and welcome to The Former Review. Today, we'll be looking at the 2020 film, The Devil All The Time. Now sit back, maybe grab a drink, and let's talk about this movie. What's up everybody, and welcome back to The Former Review. This is Season 3, Episode 27, and I thank you all for tuning in once again. So in this episode, I will be talking about updates to my movie collection, fake 4K, and the movie review. So stay tuned. So I was able to find a few 4K upgrades on Bug Panther and also Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi from their Blu-ray counterparts. So here's my quick review of those movies. Black Panther is at the top when it comes to MCU films. If it's not the best, it's definitely in the top three. It has a complexity to it that a lot of the others don't have. So for my full thoughts on that, I would go back and listen to Season 3, Episode 20, where I had Professor Latino next come on and we talked about spider-man into the spider-verse but we also talked about black panther so definitely go check that out if you want to hear my full thoughts on why i think that's one of the best if not the best mcu film so star wars episode 8 is definitely the weakest of the franchise but i do enjoy about maybe two-thirds of it i think it has some great action and even though there is some unnecessary bits didn't do an episode on that so let me know if you want to hear my full thoughts as i know that film is especially controversial however after i purchased these i actually learned about fake 4k so I may be a little late to the fake 4K game, but I thought I'd share what I learned. So as I talked about in the prior episode, 4K has a 3840 by 2160 resolution ratio, which has an aspect ratio of 1.79 to 1. However, I learned that this is not the only one. There is a 4K DCI that has 4096 by 2160 resolution and boasts a 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio. So DCI stands for Digital Camera Initiatives and is the standard for the film industry for 4K production. UHD or ultra high def definition is the consumer format designed for television and online content. The other big difference between the two is that their frame rates is different. So DCI 4K is 24 frames per second whereas UHD runs at 23.98 frames per second. So it's about the same but it's also slightly different. However, even with the mass amount of films that have now been released on UHD, most productions are still finished at a 2K resolution and then upscaled to 4K Ultra HD. For example, Wonder Woman was filmed with 4K cameras, but it was mastered using 2K equipment. This is called the Digital Intermediate, which is then upscaled to 4K in theaters and for watching at home. So then why even shoot in 4K if 2K is intermediate? The reason is, is that because if a movie is filled at a higher resolution than the end result, the image will be much crisper clearer and more detailed than the image shot natively in 2k i learned that the biggest reason why fake 4k happens is time and money rendering can take months out of time for true 4k and even when a movie is finished in 4k it can also include only 2k visual effects and then those are upscaled to match the rest of the content this obviously can cost a lot of money and the time that studios do not have or they'll prefer to spend it elsewhere sometimes budget and time allowing films are finished in a 4K digital intermediate like Black Panther, however the majority of effect heavy films go through the 2K bottleneck during post-production because of the cost. Last year's Avengers Endgame reportedly had a budget of more than $350 million before marketing costs were factored in. Of that $350-ish million, about $100 million were focused on visuals which include special effects. Had the film been finished in a 4K digital intermediate instead of a 2K one, that budget would have been significantly higher. Of course, there's one other obvious question you may be asking. If all this imagery is put on 2K and all the special effects have been rendered in 2K, why not just be honest about it and release the film in 2K? Why claim that these home releases are in 4K when they're actually not? Well, actually, we don't have 2K viewing at home, at least technically. 
1080p is close, but it's still slightly less than 2K. But most people honestly do not care about the pixel count of an image, and honestly, most probably cannot tell the difference. The main difference between the 1080p Blu-ray and the Ultra HD disc is the high dynamic range, or the HDR video, that gives a better perception of the quality of the picture, even though technically it's not 4K. But hey, it's close enough, right? So why did this happen? Because back in the early 2000s, cinemas transitioned from a 35mm film projection to a digital, and now that's pretty much the norm. So most films made before the early 2000s were finished photochemically and can be scanned at a 4K or even higher resolution for the Ultra HD Blu-ray. So even if this is done for a film you want to buy, it can be expensive because obviously you need the right 4K screen, the right HDMI cable, the right player. If money is really no concern to you, then this doesn't really matter. But if it is a concern, it becomes a little bit more complicated. Because you may ask, is 4K even worth the upgrade if some of them aren't even real 4K? So in my experience, Blu-rays look great on a 4K screen. So then the question becomes, why even upgrade at all? And additionally, if you have a TV that is less than 55 inches, Blu-rays will upscale nicely and still look great. I have found that to be true even on a 92-inch screen. So if you have a 4K player or television, your video will be upsampled to match the resolution of your screen. So one way or another, you're going to be viewing at least 3840 by 2160 pixels but if you have a native 4k projector then you may get the higher end one but obviously that costs even more money i'm not going into the difference here between pixel shifting and the native 4k on this episode maybe another one so with the upscaling looking fine, again, the question becomes why upgrade? So for those who have bigger than 55 inch screens or money is no concern to you, from what I've read on this, almost every single 4K Ultra Blu-ray outperforms its Blu-ray counterpart visually. Now I haven't had the full experience of seeing this because I don't have a 4K player right now, but I will be getting one on November 10th. If you know, you know. So here's why they're better visually from what I've read again is that they're typically brighter, they have better contrast and colors, and they have fewer encoding errors. This is because video codec is more efficient and the bit rate of film can be encoded 2.5 times faster on the 4K than on Blu-ray. The films obviously also have HDR, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, slash DTS, etc. And all of these things can really make a 4K worth it. And again, if money is no concern to you, then it should be done. However, if you're like me, you have to pick and choose because money somewhat of a concern for you. So when you're picking and choosing, you have to do further research into the films to see if they're real 4K and, or if they're not. And it honestly just depends on what you value. You have to ask yourself, do you absolutely need the brightest color or the best sound? To me, the sound is what matters. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm continuing to learn more and more that some movies may not need the 4K upgrade and some may. There are plenty of lists out there like on 4kmedia.org have a full list of which films are true 4K and those that are fake 4K, so upscaled films from 2K. And you can also check out on IMDb for each film's technical specifications that each film has. Honestly though, the difference between these two may not be discernible to the general population, and some may not be able to tell the difference, and both may look really good. Like for example, the original John Wick film was filmed in 2.8K and then finished in a 4K digital intermediate, whereas John Wick 3 was shot in 3.2K and then finished in a 2K digital intermediate. Now, 
again, I haven't watched either in 4K yet, but every review that I've read seems to indicate that the 4K home release was better in the third film than in the first. So if 2K digital intermediates were really, really awful, this obviously wouldn't happen. So for me, all of this just supports my goal in life to be as thorough with everything that I do. After all of this, some may still ask why go through the process of all of this when either are on streaming services. Well, like I said in the last episode, there are a lot of components to ensuring that the image you're getting is actually 4K. Your internet, the compression, and now even the fake 4K footage. Discs, on the other hand, are right in the room with you, even the ones that are fake 4K. However, even if the movie is fake 4K, it still has the most important technical advantage of the UHD format, the HDR, which won't be affected by the issues that can come up with streaming. Now, this may not be the case for you, or you may just not care. Maybe you're asking yourself right now, why do I even care about these things? Well, again, it all comes down to what you prioritize and where you spend your money. I choose to spend mine on a continual movie enjoyment at the best quality possible, which is on the biggest screen with the best video and audio capabilities that I have control over. The hardest part is choosing which films deserve the purchase or upgrade. So now learning all of this, here's my new updated plan when it comes to making this decision. So when purchasing a new movie, I will probably buy the 4K version if the sale is right. Otherwise, I probably won't buy it until it is more affordable. If I'm upgrading, the first thing I will do is check if the film is true 4K or fake 4K. Then check if the new version has a significant upgraded audio aspect. For example, no one uses IMAX cameras, so he is always going to have 4K productions, and visually, his films are always going to be top notch. However, his Batman films do not have an audio upgrade from the Blu rays, so I personally won't be upgrading to the 4K unless there is a good sale that makes them affordable. Visuals are great for sure, but is it worth $20 a movie just for a visual upgrade? To me, it's not. But honestly, though, I wouldn't even upgrade if they had it a better audio component unless there was a sale. Now, if the film was fake 4K but has a better audio component and I have it on Blu-ray, I may buy it depending on the time of the year and the price. If the film is fake 4K and has no audio upgrade than the one I have on Blu-ray, I won't be buying anything. Regarding the two films that I mentioned earlier, Black Panther did have an audio upgrade, whereas Star Wars Episode 8 actually is true 4K because it was shot in 4K. The video on both of the Blu-rays was really good, but I am very glad that I waited until I found a sale to purchase both of these films on 4K. Even if one wasn't true 4K and the other was an upgrade to Dolby Atmos, which honestly makes it worth it. So I luckily learned this early in my 4K upgrading process, which allowed me to proceed in a more knowledgeable way. I've only purchased 21 4K films and 11 of them were fake 4K, the majority of which coming from a Harry Potter 4K box set where the first two films are the only ones that are real 4K. And if I had bought them incrementally, it would have kind of sucked to replace the box set that I already had. So it was just better to buy them all at once in a box set again, which again, I did find at a really good deal at about $7.50 each. So that's a really good deal to me. And I'm not going to just buy it incrementally. And frankly, even Black Friday, it's not going to get much cheaper than that for 4K, even fake 4K. So for those who haven't been following me on the gram, 2001, Bad Boys for Life, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Dark Sour Jaws, Mask of Zora, Schindler's List, Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and Star Wars Episode 9, Rise of Skywalker are all true 4K films. 
the fake 4K films that I have are Black Panther, Blues Brothers, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Mad Max Fury Road, and again, the rest of the Harry Potter films. However, again, I got them all pretty much for under $10 a piece, so really no harm done. I'm very happy learning all this now so that my wallet will like me even more going forward. <laughs> So now onto the movie at hand. Let's relax, grab your drinks, and let's discuss the movie. The Devil All the Time is a psychological thriller that examines themes of evil, religion, and the abuse of power in rural, small-town America. It is based on the novel of the same name by Donald Ray Pollock, who also serves as the film's narrator. It stars Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan, Haley Bennett, Eliza Scalin, Mio Waskakowska, and Robert Pattinson. The film was directed by Antonio Campos from a screenplay that he and his brother Paulo Campos wrote together. So I think before we go into the film a little bit more, I just want to revisit my trailer reaction when it was released. Don't really know much about this movie except that it stars Tom Holland and what's his name, Robert Pattinson. So see how this goes. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, honey. This was your day. This already sounds creepy. Brought back from the war. I'm definitely interested in this. I figure it's time to pass it on. That's the best present I ever got. Thank you. Not so sure about that southern accent, though. This director directed an episode of Punisher, How and I do see some, like, style um, that similarity. between them can be connected. Is it the heart of our story and knock them stiff? You ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house. I know what my daddy did. Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. This when does look good. Like style, no the feel choice. of it is creepy. There's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner. You know, I studied something. It's called the delusion. A belief that is untrue. It is our delusion. Yeah, now I'm feeling very disturbed by this. Delusions! Some people were born. Uh, wow, this cast is really stacked. What I'm about to do, I do because I have to. because I want to. Will admit, don't know how the war thing ties in, but it looks interesting. I definitely watch this. 
Now, before I go any further, I do want to say that any of my spoiler discussion will be at the end of the review. So once you get to that, please proceed with caution because there's going to be some definite spoilers as I go into my dissection of the ending of the movie. But as I always say, I do suggest you go watch the film so you fully understand everything about this movie. But that area will have definite spoilers, so proceed with caution when you get to it. But if you don't really care about that, just keep listening through it. So first things first, the southern accent thing, I did not think of this as an issue while watching the movie. <laughs> and this film shows how multiple generations are impacted by violence and analyzes how faith and evil reactions mix as pious men do awful things. This then can really affect their congregation's views on life and death, and it also tells a story of how one's belief can be determined by their parents. In this film, Willard Russell, played by Skarsgård, returns home with PTSD and becomes extremely religious, which does affect his nine-year-old son, Arvin, played by Michael Banks Repetta, in a multitude of ways. So without spoiling anything, his strong beliefs push Arvin to question the teachings of the Christian church from a very young age. This story may be the focus of the film but there are also multiple other intertwining stories that make this film extremely engaging and captivating. The film has a 140 minute runtime and the story is very engaging from start to finish. Though a little sporadic, I think the music fits well into the film and allows the viewers to step into the world that it takes place in. I think the direction and the cinematography help a great deal to achieve the tone of the film. One really great decision by Campos was that he chose to make this movie on film. It adds this kind of grain to the film that I think helps the film feel very grim and dark. And like I said in my trailer reaction, he has directed a few of the Marvel Punisher TV show on Netflix, so there's a lot of actual similar tone from that show into this movie which i think is done really well each actor played their respective role in this film absolutely brilliantly holland provides a very mature performance that shows he can do really more than web sling tom holland is actually 24 but here he plays a 16 year old which he also plays in spider-man because honestly he has somewhat of a baby face but the character requires so much maturity that he brings to the character extremely well but the biggest standout of this movie is Pattison. His role shows that he is becoming the new Willem Dafoe, an acting chameleon. His role is small in this film, but each second he is on screen is extremely impactful. While he is surrounded by great actors, he gave a particularly excellent and honestly energetic performance. Like I mentioned, the film is narrated by the story's original creator, which helps the audience understand what is going on inside the characters' minds, and that complements the story extremely well. And it honestly feels like we're watching this film that is a true adaptation of the book. Now, I haven't read the book, so I don't know the comparison between the two, but the fact that the author was actually involved in this, to me, shows a dedication to accuracy. And also, again, the feeling feels like we're watching a visual component of the book. It's like I was reading the book and I was imagining these things happening. So I thought that was a really cool technique that just by having the narration by the author added to it. If there are any flaws to this movie, it's that the film 
film's tone and the amount of characters can be a little overwhelming at times, but I think it adds to the complexity of the story. The world is dark and there are evil people living in it. Once religion is then added in, it can get even more complicated. So for me, that wasn't really a big flaw, but I can see what other people are saying that the film kind of drags on. I didn't feel that it did. I was extremely invested pretty much the entire time, but I kind of see what that is because there's just so much going on. And even though it's engaging because it's so dark and grim, that makes it feel a lot longer than it actually is. But again, at least for me, I didn't have those issues. I think that this film is a great movie about faith and fate. I think it's absolutely dark, twisted, bleak, yet absolutely fascinating. It can make the audience question themselves, their beliefs, and if this world is random or there's divine intervention. I think it's definitely worth watching for the performances alone. It may not get too many rewatches, but I don't think that takes away very much from the brilliant acting and story. So here's my quick interpretation of the ending. Again, it will have some some spoilers so feel free to stop listening now as you have heard my recommendation of the film and then come back and listen when you actually watch the movie so that's your warning so proceed with caution so I think that the film's ending connects back to the beginning. The film starts off with Arvin's father seeing a soldier who has been skinned alive and crucified during World War II. Then the film ends with his son who may go off to another war which arguably was more violent. The war gave a lot of soldiers PTSD which would unfortunately push Holland's character to a most likely repeat his father's past. It may feel a little open-ended but again this goes into the novel feeling of the movie and to me that was a really good ending because not all novels are supposed to be happy ending and provide closure they could provide surprising or maybe dark at least to me that's what a good novel is it's not something that ends always happily or ends kind of awful but i think because it ends in a such an ambiguous way it does bring up other questions which then when you add in religion it complicates it because the religion theme also circles back around because both father and son have different experiences with fate and fully show how religion is a personal relationship one's parents parents may be the most devout, but that doesn't mean that their child would be, and vice versa. But then what happens when you add on multiple traumatic experience, i.e. murder, war, etc. It may change your views on life and religion. Willard at the beginning of the movie has lost the urge to pray, but gained it back. So who knows what will happen with Arwen. He obviously isn't the biggest person on praying and faith, but now he's considering going to war. So that may change when he comes back from it. And again, this is a historical war that has brought a lot of PTSD. So who knows what's going to happen? And that is what kind of gets determined by the audience. Is all of this divine intervention or is this completely random? Anyway, so that's my interpretation of the film. What did you think of it and what are your thoughts on the ending? Let me know. Hit me up on social media. The formal reviews on Facebook, Twitter, The Cram, where I post many things, including trailer reactions. So go check those out. And the URL is all the same on each one at the formal review. Feel free to also check out BackseatDirectors.com where I work with a big team to put out movie reviews and also editorials. Again, that's BackseatDirectors.com. Please also subscribe to the formal review. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're now on Amazon Music. I Heart Radio. Honestly, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, we have our content 
there. Also, I'm always wanting to grow and improve, so please leave a review and what you want to hear because I really do this for you all. I see the numbers and I really appreciate everyone supporting me and talking to me about movies because frankly, that's what it's all about. And for anyone who has supported me on a financial basis, thank you again. And if you want to help support on a financial basis, please go to anchor.fm forward slash the minus sign formal minus sign review and click support this podcast and honestly any donation is appreciated thank you all again for tuning in and until next time wear your mask wash your hands stay safe and take care everyone thanks for tuning in to another episode of the formal review cheers and we'll see you next time